I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 12. Today, we're going to chat about bums. Yes, bums. Don't worry, I'll explain. Today, we're changing things up a bit, as my co-host Dan isn't able to be with us. With that being the case, we're just going to chat, you and me. And as I mentioned in the intro, we're chatting about bums. Yes, bums. There are all sorts of kinds. Ski bums, trout bums, climbing bums, and of course, there are just bum bums. You know, the kind walking the street at the football tailgate, collecting your empty cans, and high-fiving the chest-painted college grads-to-be. But I digress. What I want to talk about today are bums with a passion. Skiing, fly fishing, climbing. How do you define this kind of bum? Well, let's first look at that example of a climbing bum, or as they like to call themselves, dirtbags. According to a popular climbing website, a dirtbag is defined as a person who dedicates her or his entire existence to the pursuit of climbing, making ends meet using creative means. Often found living near major climbing destinations, the dirtbag is a rebel with a cause who finds happiness in nature. When the dirtbag grows up, if ever, he or she often is drawn to a profession engaged with the outdoors or creative arts. Interesting. Well, how about trout bums? According to one definition online, Serious trout bumming involves a concerted effort to avoid civilization and a single-minded pursuit of fish. And later, they go on to say, a trout bum's day might go something like this. Arise whenever, eat whatever, decide to fish wherever, take a break, eat, maybe nap, maybe even shower at a campground, and then decide whether you want to stay on one particular water or jump over to another. Coming off the stream after dark, you find a good spot to park for the night, probably boil up some ramen, maybe have a cup of tea, and then sleep in the bed of your truck. Hmm. So, what can we surmise here? 
It seems that to be a ski, trout, or climbing bum, one must be seriously addicted to an outdoor sport or activity and must pursue it with a single-minded intensity and obsession. Number two, one must be willing to sacrifice financially to pursue this activity. And number three, one must spend a massive amount of time on this activity at the expense of most everything else. So, at this point you might be asking, what does this have to do with me? Well, it might. Or, it might not. You see, what I want to discuss here today is the life of a whitetail bum. Today we're asking the question, what makes someone a whitetail bum? And finally, am I, or you, a whitetail bum? I can't remember what the movie was, but it probably had Matthew McConaughey or some other chick flick actor, a few goofy romantic scenes, and a happy ending. I'm sure I chuckled occasionally and gave my wife a nice back rub, but my mind was elsewhere. And as the film came to a close, I headed to bed with my two dogs, cat, and a very understanding wife. And as we got settled, I scooted my lab's butt off my pillow, fought for a little space, and then flipped off the lights. Ten minutes later, I heard my wife's breathing getting heavy. She was asleep. This was my cue. As carefully as I could, I slipped one leg off the bed, then the other, and then slowly sat up. I slinked out of the bedroom, quiet as a church mouse, and then proceeded to step on something thin, long, and soft. The frantic yowl from our three-legged cat quickly clued me in on what it was I had stepped on, and I half ran out the room, hoping the racket hadn't woken my sleeping bride. I then crept through the kitchen on my tiptoes, pulled on a winter jacket, and headed out the door. The truck was packed, an energy drink was in the cup holder, and Ted Nugent's Fred Bear was the first track on the CD player. I was hitting the road. It was midnight, and I had four and a half hours to drive to get to my southern Ohio property. If I could push right through, I'd get there at 4.30 a.m., just in time to get dressed, slink into my tree stand, and still have an hour of darkness to spare. Perfect. 18 hours later, I climbed out of my tree stand after an all-day sit, quite satisfied with my decision to drive all night to make this hunt happen. Over the course of those many long hours, some good things had happened. I'd had close calls with a 150-inch and a 130-inch buck. As I pulled into the run-down roadside motel, I sunk my teeth into the 99-cent double cheeseburger and thought to myself, life is good. This was something like my 23rd all-day hunt over the course of a 30-day period. And my friends, well, they thought I was crazy. But me, I called it living the dream. Climbing bums, trout bums, ski bums, and I'd say whitetail bums as well, all pursue their obsession with a single-minded focus, an uncompromising dedication to the activity, and all-consuming intensity for the pursuit. 
So does hunting 13 hours a day for weeks on end make you a whitetail bum? Maybe. But I think there's a lot more to it. For whitetail bums, hunting isn't just something done for a few weeks or months during the fall. It's a 365-day-a-year lifestyle. As best as I can figure, a whitetail bum's year starts in January, just after the previous hunting season closes. He, or she, begins walking the trails on his hunting property, scouting out doe bedding areas, checking for popular food sources, avoiding cleaning the bathroom, and considering new stand locations. And then comes shed hunting. A few years back, I took a day off from work to head to Iowa and go shed hunting with a few friends. I explained to my coworkers that I was headed out of town to look for sheds and that I'd be back on Monday. Three days later, I returned, happy as could be, with a few new bones added to my collection. One of the gals in my office, after gushing over her weekend with a new boyfriend, asked me about how my vacation was and if I'd found any sheds. I told her that I had, and I'd had a great time. And then she asked me, what color was it? Red? Green? Did it match my house? I was confused. And then I realized so was she. My coworkers were clearly not whitetail bums. As winter fades into spring and spring into summer, a whitetail bum's mind quickly turns to Christmas. He's been looking forward to this moment for weeks. Anticipation has risen to a frenzy. And as he looks at the package, he wonders to himself, what might there be? He quickly opens the package and slips it out of the plastic container and then inserts it into the card reader on his laptop. Yes, this is Christmas, Christmas in July. And the gift every whitetail bum wants is a mega giant, heavy horned whitetail buck on trail camera. Honestly, is there any more anxious moment than those first few minutes flipping through pictures just dying for there to be a frame full of antlers? And then, there he is. Brow tines rising up half a foot, curving in together at the tips as if they almost might meet in the middle. Tines are stacked one after the other, lined up along the main beam like prongs in a pitchfork, stretching towards the sky, 8 inches, 10 inches, 12. He's a giant. I will call him the Skyscraper 12. Yes, a whitetail bum has a hell of a time naming his kids, if he ever gets around to having some. But when it comes to bucks, it's a piece of cake. He'll add the Skyscraper 12's picture to the pile, along with the Triple Ten, Big Sexy, Spreadzilla, and Steve. Over the coming weeks and months, a whitetail bum will think of almost nothing else. He'll hang a stand specifically for Triple Ten. He'll clear an axis path to get in close to Big Sexy's bed. He'll plant a food plot in Skyscraper 12's core area, and he'll just think a lot about Steve. But not in a weird way. Finally, hunting season arrives, and the whitetail bum is in his element. season. For a ski bum, this is the time to hop in the van and head to the mountains. For a trout bum, it's time to toss the waders in the SUV and head for a stream. A climber might grab his chalk and beaners and head for the rocks. And it's not too different for the whitetail bum. He or she grabs his gear, 
organizes it in the back of the pickup, and heads for the nearest whitetail paradise. A prereq of being a bum of any kind seems to be not only a single-minded focus or obsession on a pursuit, but also a willingness to sacrifice almost all other time-consuming activities. And this is most evident during the season. My wife, for example, has grown used to the blocked-out dates on my calendar from October 1st through the end of November. No doctor's appointments, no dentists, no birthdays, no weddings, no parties, and of course, no vacations. You'll be hard-pressed to get me to head out for an evening dinner and movie this time of year. This is the time of harvest. All the months of work have led up to this, and now it's time to make it happen. Whitetail bums, of course, prepare for the season, but they live for the rut. This is the Super Bowl, the Kentucky Derby, the NBA Finals, and March Madness, all in one. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart, or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. The rut can make a guy or girl do some strange things. For instance... Have you ever seen a normal human being pour animal urine on their shoes? Or how about this one? What right-minded individual would obsess over the timing and intensity of when an animal species will begin engaging in intercourse? That kind of conversation isn't even allowed on National Geographic. And let's talk about the diets of the average whitetail bum during the rut. This definitely isn't Food Network great food. I'm pretty sure there are hunters out there who live completely off of coffee, beef jerky, and trail mix pulled out from between truck seat cushions. I'm not naming any names. Now for some whitetail bums, the rut finds them close to home, hunting out in the back 40 or in the surrounding area. And yes, they may be in close proximity to home, but their family and friends can't hardly tell. They're out the door before daylight and not home till dark. And even when they are home, they're not really there. A quick dinner, reorganize the gear, check SD cards, off to bed. And then the next day, they do it all over again. For some of these at-home whitetail bums, this wasn't how it always was. 
In fact, I know many a whitetail addict who up and left their original place of residence just to migrate to states like Iowa or Illinois, simply to be closer to big bucks. For others, though, the season, and the rut in particular, finds them away from home and on the go. Traveling to far-off locales in search of the biggest bucks, and in typical bump fashion, they're bootstrapping it to make ends meet. Take, for example, my friend Tyler. A few years back, he packed up his things during the fall, filled his vehicle with gear and tent, and headed to Iowa. For the next six weeks or so, I believe he lived out of his tent, chasing whitetails on public land every day. Hygiene? He wasn't too worried about it. Current events? Not interested. Where he'd get his next meal? That was a problem for future Tyler. Locals whispered in the small-town diner about the crazy Michigan kid living in the woods, but fellow whitetail bums? They thought he was genius. Or how about another friend of mine, Chris? He saved his money over the course of the year and planned his work schedule so that when September rolled around, he could pack up his belongings and take off. For the next three months, he was on the road chasing whitetails, living out of his van, showering under a bucket of water while standing on the edge of a standing cornfield, and trading cases of beer to local meat markets in exchange for storing the various deer he killed along the way. That is living the dream. It looks like 2014 is going to be a season of tent and truck camping for me too. But in the past, I've lived the high life with cheap hotel rooms for my out-of-state exploits. It's amazing what 40 bucks a night can get you. Plastic sheets, brown stains on the mattress, the occasional cockroach, and free Wi-Fi. It's true, with only one thing on their mind, of course, that being deer, whitetail bums typically aren't rolling in money. This results in a kind of bootstrapper mentality. As seen in the examples already mentioned, bootstrapping for whitetails could result in sleeping in a van, a tent, or a cockroach-infested motel. But you don't have to live like a homeless person to be a whitetail bum. I'm no expert, but I don't think poverty is a prereq. In fact, whitetail bums find all sorts of different ways to make ends meet and still hunt like a madman. From what I've seen, there seem to be three camps that whitetail bums fall into when it comes to professions. There are some whitetail addicts who love the game so much they just have to find a profession that's in the quote-unquote industry. Working for hunting gear manufacturers, marketing, working at guide services, filming TV shows, or even writing. Much to my wife's dismay, I fall into this last group. Eight months ago, I was working for one of the largest internet companies in the world, a company which Fortune Magazine had ranked as the number one company to work for in the country for the fifth time in the past eight years. It was a great company, a very respectable paycheck, and a name my family could drop in conversation, beaming with pride. But on October 4th, 2013, I walked into my boss's office and said goodbye. I was quitting. What for? To chase whitetails, to sleep in crappy hotel rooms, and to write about it. Does this make me a bonafide whitetail bum? No, not necessarily. But it does make me broke. So there's that. On to the second group of potential whitetail bums. These guys and gals work respectable and possibly even well-paying jobs most of the year, but their ace in the hole is flexibility. 
they've chosen these careers to ensure maximum time available during the season to hunt. Contractors, construction workers, builders, any kind of freelancer. These folks control their own fate, by and large, and they choose to work their tails off January through August to make sure they can bail on work and pick up a bow come fall. A final group of whitetail bums lives on the fringe. These are probably the smart ones of the group. The ones who made it, who cashed in big on a business or an investment, or just worked their tails off for a very long time. And now that money isn't so scarce, they can spend their days chasing their passion. It seems these last two categories aren't unique just to hunting either. In the climbing world of dirtbags, they've got a term for this type. A class bag. Which is defined as the dirtbag with class. This person has a flexible job where she or he has to be a professional and sometimes presentable. They have the skills to attract money for their services and can follow through with the goods. Their friends know them as a dirtbag and their employers know them as pros. Experts at time management and cleaning up for meetings just after climbing. Hmm. Sound familiar to anyone? I imagine there's a few of you out there. That said, it seems that maybe money, or lack thereof, isn't necessarily a key factor in determining if one is a whitetail bum. A far better indicator seems to be how someone spends whatever money they have. As you can probably imagine, the majority of whitetail bums like gear. Whether they make 30 grand a year or 100, you better believe they'll be investing a good bit of it into the perfect bow, the most visible camo, or the most silent tree stand. Their scent eliminators, grunts, rattles, sprays, cover scents, lures, decoys, the list goes on and on. A whitetail bum might be filming his son's kindergarten graduation with a handheld camcorder from 1995, but there's a darn good chance he's got the latest wireless trail camera with 10 megapixel photos, 1080 HD video, and half-second trigger speeds. Ask a whitetail bum what he or she wants for Christmas, and they'll likely hand you a Cabela's or Bass Pro catalog with a list of page numbers. But for goodness sake, don't. I repeat, don't ask them any questions about gear. At least not if you've got some place to go. These conversations can last hours. And if you're not a fellow bum, they'll probably sound like some strange mixture of a college physics lecture and your high school mathematics class. You'll hear about kinetic energy, muzzle velocity, Gore-Tex liners, how many grams of Primaloft you needed for optimal warmth, the pros and cons of flash versus infrared, the necessary protein needed in an attractant, and the horsepower needed to off-road it back on the property with deer in tow. Mechanical versus fixed, semi-auto versus bolt action, climber versus sticks and stand. The conversation could last days, and you might not get a word in edgewise. In all honesty, forget the cataloging conversation altogether. You're probably much better off just giving them a gift card and getting out while you can. Speaking of chatting with a whitetail bum, What's it like to be friends with one? Or, God forbid, to be in a relationship with one? Well, it's hard for me to say, but I can venture a few guesses. Let's say it's guys' night. Most often, your typical young adult male can be found hanging out with his buddies at an after-work softball game, a sports bar watching football maybe grilling out, working on cars, or hitting the club scene downtown. Not so much with the whitetail crowd, though. From what I've experienced, guys' night looks a little bit different. Sure, it might start off the same. Your buddies show up, put the 12-pack of Bud in the fridge, and set the pizza on the counter. Laughter and old stories fill the air, and a few cold ones meet their demise. But then, it's time for business. 
The crowd moves to the couch, and the TV gets fired up. Soon, camo-clad hunters grace the screen, whispering about the strategy for this evening's hunt. Before you know it, shouts start erupting from the couch. Shoot him! Shoot him! What's this guy waiting for? Nah, I wouldn't shoot that one. Needs another year. What? That's a freaking booner! This kind of argument can last for 5, 10, 20 minutes. And if you're not part of the brotherhood, you probably wouldn't know what in the world the argument was about in the first place. That's not so bad, though. Imagine being in a relationship with someone like this. To really nail this subject, I thought I'd go straight to my wife and seek her input. Upon presenting my questions, I received a very solid shake of the head and a response of, no comment. And maybe that's for the best. So, to this point, we've confirmed that a whitetail bum approaches hunting with a single-minded focus, ignoring almost all other endeavors. On top of that, in many cases, he or she sacrifices financial respectability by choosing a career best adapted to the whitetail hunting lifestyle, or at least spending whatever money is available on hunting-related expenses. Finally, we need to talk about how they spend their time. Let's just say I wouldn't expect many Caribbean vacations during the fall if you're married to a whitetail bum. To the contrary, a whitetail bum's significant other more likely can look forward to a vacation like the one my wife and I enjoyed, or at least I enjoyed, back in November of 2010. Just a few days before Thanksgiving, we packed up the truck, bundled up, and set off for southwest Illinois. Day one of my wife's exciting vacation started at 4.30 a.m. as I rolled her out of bed and told her she had first shower. Given the look I saw on her face, things weren't off to a good start. But when I explained to her that she couldn't use her usual shampoo or conditioner, things got really ugly. What's the problem, I asked. I held up the clear plastic bottle full of lime green scent eliminating shampoo and yelled, Honey, it contains odorless moisturizers. rough as that was, Kylie wasn't much happier over the next couple days as we spent many long hours 20 feet up in a tree, braving the blowing wind, horizontal rain, and freezing temperatures. Luckily, reinforcements were on the way. Two days in, a buddy of mine showed up to take over camera duty, along with his wife, to provide my little lady some company. And from there, things were great. We celebrated Thanksgiving, just the four of us, with some spare turkey parts and microwave mashed potatoes cooked up in the rundown rental we call home for the week. Sounds fun, right? My wife has dealt with a whole lot of other things too. Take for example the day she pulls into the driveway after work, hoping to see her husband standing the deck, mowing the lawn, or saving a kitten stuck in the tree. Instead, she finds me laying on the grass in the backyard, legs splayed out, a tripod and camera on one side, a spotting scope on the other. What gal wouldn't be proud of this? It gets worse, though. When she asks me what I'm doing and walks my way, I turn abruptly, put her finger to my lips, and give her a shh. I'm surprised she hasn't put a boot in my face yet. Or how about when she tries to chat with me while we're driving? She's chit-chatting about the latest news at work or how her sisters have been doing, and she asks a question, pauses, and then looks my way. More often than not, though, I'm staring out the window, scanning a field for deer. Five minutes later, a similar scenario might play out, and again, I'm looking out another window. I can't seem to control it. The constant scanning from side to side, peering into each patch of soybeans or cut cornfields, 
How in the world does she put up with this? Sometimes I just don't know, but God bless her for it. As it is in my case, I've come to find that many times it's not the whitetail bums that are all that special, but instead it's the men and women behind the scenes, supporting them and dealing with them back home that are really the noteworthy ones. That's a special group of folks. But still, I think there's something here. I think there is, in fact, something worth admiring in a whitetail bum. I've yet to confirm this with someone on the outside looking in, but when I think on it, I wonder if maybe there's something about this lifestyle, this commitment, this fervor that is a bit redeeming. Passion, intensity, perseverance, tireless hard work. A whitetail bum likely has many flaws, but there are certainly silver linings to be found when you look for them. And I think, and maybe hope, that this is actually the case. So am I a whitetail bum? It's hard to say, but I don't think I'm 100% there. Maybe I'm a whitetail bum in progress, and that's probably a good thing, at least for the sake of those around me. And how about you? Are you a whitetail bum? It's no perfect science, but here's a quick litmus test. If you found this podcast episode to be boring, confusing, or downright ridiculous, you're probably safe. No bum label will be appended. But on the other hand, If you found yourself nodding along and chuckling through this chat, well, you might be in trouble. There's probably a bit of whitetail bum running through your veins. And you know what? I don't think that's such a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with the whitetail bum in us coming out every once in a while, or every three, four months, or every other day. It's what we are. It's who we are. It's why we are. The love of the game. The passion for a greater understanding, the hunger for a self-provided meal, the need for a cool November morning, and the hope of an early October afternoon. It pulls at us deep down. It nips at the edges of our conscience, and it lives at the core of our soul. Whitetails, those mysterious, majestic, and occasionally downright frustrating creatures, steal our hearts time and time again. And more times than not, they make fools of us. Or should I say, bums. Thank you so much for joining me today on this slightly different than usual podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening and maybe even got a chuckle from it. And as always, if you've enjoyed the show today, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. It's a quick action that can make a big difference. Thank you. Speaking of thanks, we'd also like to thank our very supportive companies who believe in what we're doing and help make this show possible. Our partners. Big thanks to Sick Gear, Bushnell Optics, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Carbon Express Arrows, Lacrosse Boots, Big and J Long Range Attractants, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. That said, if you're new to the show, please head over to wiredhunt.com and sign up for our Whitetail Fix newsletter. That's where you're going to get updates on what's new and interesting on the blog right in your email inbox. So thanks again, Wired Hunt Nation. Until next time, have a great week. Keep chasing the dream. And as always, stay wired to hunt.
I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 